0: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
1: Nine oh nine on this Wednesday morning, January 3rd. The countdown has begun, not to 2025, although technically it has, but it's Falcons hate week. The Saints taking on the Atlanta Falcons in the Dome on Sunday. Jeff Nowak joins us, WWL Saints sideline reporter. Happy New Year, Jeff.
2: Happy New Year. I thought it's going to be about three months before I actually write 2024 on something the first time, uh, but we'll get there, I promise.
1: What are, you, what are you writing in three months? Something of note?
2: No, I'll just be writing 2023. Oh, well, I got you. I thought you had some, they're just <laughs> a big
1: signing coming up or something. I hope you did
2: no, 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 It's just That's how long it takes before I have to stop crossing out 2023. Hope you didn't before enter the transfer
1: portal. You know, David Letterman had the best joke about that with Chinese New Year. He said it was the year of the dog and he was still writing the year of the rat on his checks. That's a long time yeah, ago, yeah. but it was still a funny joke. Let's talk about um, Tampa Bay on Sunday, because I got to tell you, before the game, looking at the way the first game went down, I had no idea this was going to happen. Did you get a feeling from practice the week before or from talking to the players that the Saints were going to come out and dominate the Buccaneers like they did?
2: You know, one thing I think people underestimate is how valuable that you know the the rest deficit is when you're the team with extra rest versus the team with, you know, like the the Saints were coming in off 10 days rest. They got a padded practice in during the week, which you can only have so many of those, and uh, they just looked like the more physical team, right? And I think Mm -hmm. you know uh, when you look at that Thursday night game in LA, it was always going to be tough because there was a cross country trip on four days and they sure looked like a team that was playing <laughs> jet lagged on four days rest. So, you know, I think that that's a big part of it, but also, you know, it's it's just uh, these these late season games are a lot more about fight than anything else a lot of the time and who shows up and who does it. And, you know, I think that was just a combination of the Saints team went in there with the right mentality and they were physical. And I don't think that Bucks team was, you know, particularly ready. I think they were kind of drinking their own uh, Kool-Aid a little bit, and uh, yeah, that's what happened. But you know, it's you it came down. It comes down to the final week, which you know, it's not how I don't think a lot of people hoped it would get down to the final week. But you know, we got meaningful football in week 18, which is a heck of a lot better than that week 18 game we saw last year.
1: So. I'm looking at, and I watched highlights of the Saints-Falcons' first game in November, November's 26th, and I believe, if I remember correctly, that's a game where the Falcons just imposed their will at the end of the game and just pushed the ball down the field, right, on the ground?
2: Yeah, so that it's going to be weird because it's a different quarterback, right? right. Um, Desmond Raiders started that game. Well, I assume they're going to start Taylor Heineke. Who knows? It seems like they switch quarterbacks every week. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, the Falcons are going to run the ball. That's just what they do. Uh, They're relentless. Um, and, yeah, I think by the end of the game, the Saints defense was a bit was a bit Gassed. beleaguered, mm-hmm. right? And that's one of the benefits of being a running football team is you just keep pounding and pounding and pounding, and eventually it breaks, right? Um, but, you know, I, to me, the story of the game wasn't – you know, that's how the game ended, mm-hmm. right? But the story of the game was more – the Saints were unable to score touchdowns. Like that's if you're yeah. able to score touchdowns on two of even if you five red zone trips, then they're not able to run the ball at the end of the game. They're they're having to to run offense. Yeah, uh, re- and,
1: recap that if you will, Jeff, for people that don't remember the Saints' red zone troubles in the first game against Atlanta.
2: Yeah, I mean it wasn't even just that game. It was kind of the season up till that point, and so that they kind of came to a head in that game, right? They got into the red zone five times. They scored zero touchdowns. They had two turnovers um and you know that was a game that they lost by nine points the saints did but you know you look at you kick five field goals right that's one touchdown and that's a completely different game and you know after that game the saints started devoting more time in the week in practice they moved some red zone work up to thursday and they've been doing that since and you know i think there's been also a shift in strategy in terms of their their focus more on getting closer to the end zone which sounds simple but when you look at some of the common denominators of those failed red zone trips, it's a lot of plays from the 15, from the 19. And they've scored touchdowns in 11 of their last 13 red zone trips, all 11 touchdowns have come from inside the 10 yard line. Right. And so in that game, you know, you just, you just weren't able to get it done. And I think if you want to point to some successes in the second half of this season, it's been finding a recipe that works in the red zone. And, you know, I, I, think if you replayed that game today, in Atlanta, it would go differently, but that's, to me, that was the biggest, you know, red flag from that game is, uh, you know, you move the ball constantly. You got into the red zone constantly. You didn't score touchdowns. Um, You've, you've incorporated the tight ends more since then, you know, you've gotten Jimmy Graham involved, although he was quiet on Sunday. Juwan Johnson has been more involved. He's caught touchdowns in three straight games. Um, And so I, I just think this is a healthier offense for the saints, but yeah, I mean the defense, it's going to have to do a better job against the run than they did in that game. I think the Falcons went for 220 yards and uh, you're not going to win, win a lot of games like that.
1: Derek Carr is probably healthier than he was in two,
2: right? That's uh yeah. I mean, uh, he, he won't tell, he won't say that. I mean, in terms of, he's not going to use the health as an excuse, but uh, Dennis Allen definitely pointed to that after the game is, you know, he's been healthy enough to play, like there's a difference between being healthy enough to play and being fully healthy. And I think, uh, you know, the shoulder injury, the rib injuries, you know, obviously he had the concussions. Um, I think he was definitely playing somewhere shy of of 100% or whatever, 100%. It's kind of like, you know, the, the pumps, right? That's 100% of the maximum capacity available, right? Uh, <laughs> don't I bring that up somewhere. on a
1: rainy day. That's what's <laughs> on your mind, huh?
2: It's <laughs> like somewhere shy of that, right? And, uh, you know, how much that affected his play, I don't know. But, you know, Dennis Allen would definitely say that it did in some respects. Right, and I think he's feeling better now. He's able to do some things. That throw to Taysom Hill, I think if you go back and watch it, mm-hmm. that was one of the best throws I've seen him make all season. He's off platform. He had pressure in his face. He put the ball on a dime. Um, and then you know, these are just throws that you kind of went into the season. Like these are the throws that you were anticipating. You were you were bringing Derek Carr in. And you're like, this is going to upgrade the quarterback position. And I think it's throws like that. It's kind of those team offense elevating throws that not everyone can make. Right. And that's kind of what we've seen the last four or five weeks. The, the Rams game kind of notwithstanding, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is it, he actually Derek Carr is tied for the NFL lead in 300 yard passing games. I think CJ Stroud is the other one. They both have six, which, you know, some of a lot of that is like, okay, you're, you're building up this yardage in games. You're trying to make comebacks. You're throwing the ball a lot. So it's not necessarily a good thing, but I think it is kind of a, an interesting sign of how things have changed in the NFL we're going in week 18, and no NFL quarterback has more than six 300-yard passing games, which is really kind of wild when you think about where the where the league was. I don't know, eight nine years ago, when you have multiple 5,000-yard passes, and now you know there's maybe one quarterback who's even sniffing 5,000 yards, right?
1: But so <laughs> why? Because the rules are still favoring the receivers? Is it because there aren't the the quality quarterbacks that there were then?
2: I think that's part of it. You know, you don't have, you know, you, you don't have Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. You know, all these like Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Eli. Right? Like, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have retired in the last several years. So you've got a lot, a lot of young quarterbacks guys fighting their way. I think in the last several years, you've seen defenses kind of adapt strategies to take deep balls away. Right? Um, most teams in the league are kind of incorporating this idea of we're just going to keep two safeties deep you have to go underneath for everything and if you can if you can execute a 10 14 play drive and score a touchdown good on you but we're going to make the gamble that in the process you are going to make a mistake we're going to get a sack you're going to make a bad throw we're going to tip a ball get an interception right and so you just don't see these two three play 70 yard touchdowns right you know it's just they don't really exist anymore because defenses are taking it away And, you know, it's forced teams to kind of reevaluate on offense and say, hey, can we run the ball? Right. They're giving us the run now. Let's run it. Uh, You know, let's take advantage of short passes over the middle of the field. And, uh, you know, that's it's taken away some of the gaudy passing stats. Um, You've also seen defenses get smaller. Right. Defenses are bearing toward these lighter, more athletic safeties and linebackers who can cover. You know, and it's funny because it's, you know, they say the NFL goes in cycles. And I think you're in a cycle right now where a team, you know, I think the Falcons are actually doing it right in the sense that I think a power running team is going to be able to have a lot more success in today's NFL than they might've been able to 10, 15 years ago as offenses were going over the top constantly and they were still gearing up to stop the run. So, you know, I think that's kind of where you're at now. And you need to be able to run the ball. You need to be able to extend drives and be efficient. Uh, and that's what the Saints have done over the second half of the season a lot better. Do
1: we know about Alvin Kamara, injury-wise?
2: I mean, we know he's dealing with a sprained ankle. There is hope that he can play in Week 18. Uh, it's just tough. You're going to have to see how he gets through the week. Um, my, uh, my, it's just ankle injuries are tough, especially for a running back. It's not only can you play at a high level, can you pass protect at a high level, it's, can you protect yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're putting a guy out there who just, you don't feel like he can, you know, because one of Alvin's best skills is you, you watch him play and you never see him take hits, right? right? He, he takes glancing blows. He's very good at making sure that he's not taking direct contact. And, you know, it's, it's, you set him out there on a, on a bum ankle and suddenly that kind of shiftiness goes away and you, know, you, you put a guy in trouble. Um, so the question is not only Alvin, it's who, if Alvin can't go, Who's your next in line, right? You have Kendra Miller. He hasn't played since week nine. He's been dealing with an ankle injury of his own because ankle injuries are really tough. And so if, if Alvin go, is it, is it Kendra? I know he was close to going last week. Maybe he can get out there. You're obviously going to give Jamal the bulk of the carries. You have James Robinson on the practice spot. Maybe uh, this is a week you can get him involved. But, yeah, I mean, we're gonna. it's going to be a question over the next three days if how much work can Alvin get in, how does that treatment, that rehab work go, um, I'm sure he's going to try to play. He's going to want to be out there. It's just what question of whether he can.
1: Yeah, you're making some great points this morning. I love the, um, the, the, the late in the season point that you made. also love about Alvin Kamara deflecting or at least uh, avoiding the blows and not taking the serious hits, which explains why he's been able to play as much as he has, and he does a player right. does have to be able to protect themselves. Did I hear you ask about a high ankle sprain in the press conference after the game? Was that you? <laughs>
2: You know, it's just funny because I've talked to Mike Triplett about this, and and uh, I I've I told him that we sound very similar in uh, when we're off camera because we yeah. both have this kind of nasally voice. And uh, no, that was him. Okay. That was that was Mike. And and I've made this joke to him. Was like I, I appreciate that you're always at the press conference because it makes it sound like I'm asking more questions than I am. But no, that was him. Uh, yeah, he asked if it, if they knew if it was a high or low ankle sprain, and I don't think Da at that point necessarily even had been able to talk to the doctors and get a kind of clear he was dealing or with or if he'd have even shared it. Share it because... you know, if it was a high ankle sprain, I think we would we would be there would be less optimism about whether he'd be able to get back. But you know, it's it's really, you know, there's, there's high and low and then there's grades, right? Even if it's a low ankle sprain, if it's a if it's a you know a grade one or grade two, it's just gonna be much more difficult to get back from. And we're never gonna get a concrete answer on um, and you know the you know, we still don't know yeah, yeah, I think we're still asking DA how, uh, about Derek Carr's shoulder injury. You know, I think we asked four or five times. He's like, I don't know. I'm well, gonna, and I, you don't I, want here.
1: <laughs> you know, if the NFL, if you if you if you let that information out, or if anybody knows, they know you have a weakness. They're going to go after it. And I think as fans, we sometimes have to realize that these guys are playing banged up, especially at this time of season. And we don't know what we don't know. So before we get so critical, maybe we should realize that. Um. again this guy could be playing hurt doing his absolute best but we don't know just as maybe our performance whatever our job is might not be at its ultimate because we got a stomach flu we got this we got that and nobody else knows it but we do and then somebody thinks you're not at your best I guess is what I'm trying to say in my own clumsy way so you got to remember that and the other thing is certainly when it comes to injuries well you can't tell everybody, because if you do, the other side's going to know it, and that's what they're going to go after. We'll take a break, come back, talk to Jeff Nowak, WWL Saints sideline reporter. Huge game coming up with the Saints taking on the Falcons. We'll run off the playoff ramifications as simply as we can. When we come back, Tommy Tucker, got any questions, comments? 504-260-1870. That's the Oakland Art Jeweler talk and text line back in a flash on WWL. Call
0: from mom. Answer it.
1: Call silenced. Nine twenty-seven. Back with Jeff Nowak, WWL Saints sideline reporter. Turn down the sound. Do yourself a favor. I'm telling you, and listen to Deuce and Mike Haas and Jeff call a game on Sunday when the Saints take on the Falcons in the dome. And if you why, if you listen on the radio, there's not that much syncing up that you have to do, really, as opposed to online. Um, Jeff, let's talk about playoff scenarios. Is there a simple way to put this, or not?
2: Yeah, so, you know, the funny thing is, you know, I think it's important not to confuse simple with likely, but... um, No, wait, that's that's, that's an important
1: distinction. Don't confuse simple with likely.
2: Let's start with likely. Well, so, I mean, it's actually, you know, there are times, there are years we've gone into this, and it it takes me 5,000 words to explain all of the scenarios that could play out in Mm -hmm. terms of tiebreakers and whatnot. The bad news is that the Saints don't win any tiebreakers, The good news is you don't have to worry about them, so that makes it very simple in the sense that the results that they need are actually pretty easy to track. So obviously, there's no point in talking about anything where the Saints lose because if they lose, they're eliminated. So if the Saints win, they get to nine and eight. Danish Allen has his first career winning season, which you know that's obviously something in and of itself. But um, you know, if they get to nine and eight, they have two potential roads to make the postseason if so they can win the nfc south if they beat the falcons and the panthers beat the bucks now obviously the panthers have won two games all season not a great scenario but there are two things working for the saints in the sense that it's in carolina and the panthers don't own their first round pick so in a lot of instances you'd say well they're going to tank they're not going to try to win because they don't want to worry they don't want to try get in a situation where they might affect their draft pick Mm -hmm. well even, even if they did own their first-round pick, it's locked into number one. And that's a factor in the sense that now they don't even have to worry about their second-round pick changing. So there's no incentive for them to do something like what the Eagles did in 2020 where they pulled Jalen Hurts at halftime in a game where if they had won, the Giants would have made the playoffs, and instead the commanders kind of walked in, right? So that's not going to happen. So in the sense that they're going to try to win, that's a good thing. Now the question is whether they can. Eh. You know, a few weeks back, they had the they they were down by three with the ball at their own forty with a little over two minutes left. They threw an interception. They had a chance to win. So it's not a it's how, not a given.
1: How did Tampa uh, Bay come out of the Saints game health wise? Baker Mayfield is he hurt? Anybody nicked up?
2: Well, he took the the hit late in the game. <clears throat> they were unhappy about it. I think he's dealing with some bruised ribs. Um, you know, if that if the Bucks team that we saw in week seventeen shows up in week eighteen. The Saints have a they're, they're, the Panthers have a chance to win that game. Let's put it that way. If yeah. the Bucks play like they did against the Jaguars, eh, you know I'm not feeling great about it. Right. So if and those games are at, at noon, so you you kind of will know by the end of the Saints game whether they have to worry about anything going on the rest of the day. If mm-hmm. the Bucks win, there is still a path to potentially make a wild card. If the Saints win, and those two games are at the, in the three o'clock window, so it'll be nice in the sense that if you don't if the Bucks do win. Then you can turn on the afternoon games and just, you know, kind of bite your nails throughout those Uh, those games are. So it's the Seahawks at Cardinals and the bears at Packers in order for the Saints to make the wild card. They need both the Seahawks who are eight and eight and the Packers who are eight and eight to finish eight and nine. So the Seahawks need to lose to the Cardinals and the Packers need to lose to the bears. If both of those things happen and the Saints win, they would get a wild card. If either, the Packers or the Seahawks win, then the Saints are eliminated. So again, like I said, I don't wanna I, I'm not going to try to confuse you when it's saying simple and likely are the same thing, but they are pretty simple in terms of what you actually have to keep track of. And it's just a it's just a matter of, hey, maybe maybe this is the year, maybe they're due. And it seems like in every scenario that I can remember when they've needed help they haven't gotten it.
1: Yeah, well the first thing is Saints win. Like you said, yeah. that that's if they lose, forget it. It's over. They're done. Yeah. So I guess I, I hope they're not doing any scoreboard watching with the Buccaneers because even if Tampa Bay wins, they're still in it and they have a chance if the Bears and the Cardinals both win.
2: Yeah, this is a scenario that you can, if you go back to 2021, it was very similar. The Saints were playing Atlanta. Um, they won. That game was in Atlanta. Um, that was the game started by Taysom Hill, and he got hurt, and Trevor Simeon ended it. Um, and then the Rams were up, I think, 12 or 14 or something. And they blew that game. And if the Rams had won, the Saints would have made the playoffs. Instead, they they lost in overtime. And, and the Saints, you know, went from thinking, wow, we finally, we snuck into, oh, well, I guess it's the off season, And that's why these week 18 scenarios where you don't control your own fate are jarring and, and you know, nerve-wracking because it's like you go from Thinking, oh man, we got it, we made it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh no, the season's over, it's done. <laughs> you know, it's just so, it's so abrupt. Um, but hey, you know, it's I much prefer it this way to how it was last year. Um, so I, I you have to give the team credit for kind of fighting uh, and, and putting themselves in a scenario where they have a chance, and that's what you're going to get on Sunday.
1: So Juwan Johnson had a giant game. You talked to him as he came off the field as the game ended last week who is likely or who are we likely to be talking about on Monday after Sunday's game against the Falcons?
2: That's a good question. Um, you know, I think this is a, this is a game where you could get a big Chris Alave uh, performance. You know, we, we saw him in that game against the Falcons. They couldn't cover him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't even a situation where, like, they had to worry about anybody else. There was no Mike Thomas. Rashid Jaheed was out. But he was still just feasting. And uh, if he hadn't gone out with that concussion – who knows? He might've had a 200 sun yard game. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking by this point, you know, he got out of that Bucks game without any, um, you know, re aggravation of that ankle. He was able to kind of have a light workload. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we get to week 18 and he's feeling a hundred percent or as close to it as you can get. And uh, I think this is going to be a game where you really want to see him take control and, uh, and really, really take advantage of that secondary because you know he can do it. You know, they, they had no one else to worry about in that game. They still couldn't cover him. So that's that would be my guess. But I also think Juwan, Juwan is a guy that I'd like to see have a repeat performance. You know, I think I thought, we talked to Mickey Loomis yesterday, and he, he, he that's what he said. He was like, you know, like, we're, we're proud of you for having this game, but this is what we expect. We want to see more of this. It's not just, oh, well, here you are, you did it. No, you, you got to do it again. And so I think Juwan is a guy I want to see a big game from, uh, you know, every week, but definitely this week.
1: Um, Saints defensively, Marshawn Lattimore didn't play last week, and everybody was talking about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but 27 stepped up and Alani Taylor stepped up.
2: And, you know, I, I think we it's easy to forget about Paulson Adiba because we didn't say his name, but, but he, he took away Mike Evans. You know, the right. only real big Mike Evans had, Paulson slipped. But now he stepped up too. I think everyone in the That's secondary true. stepped up. And, you know, Tyron Matthew talked after the game, like they had kind of a meeting and he, he kind of rallied the troops. They asked him to talk to the team and they, and I think that really resonated and that entire group really took ownership of that game. And yeah, I stepped up a lot. He got his first career interception a week after getting benched. And there was a lot of praise for how he handled that. And uh, I, I think it's merited, you know, that's a situation for a young player that you don't know how he's going to react. You, know, you kind of just had to do what you had to do. And, he went in there, he, he handled it professionally, and he, and he stepped up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the secondary is the group that we went into this season saying, you know, this is, this is where we expect them to thrive. And when Marchand went down, uh, it's the, you know, and this is the second year you've had to kind of deal with it without Marchand for an extended period. And, yeah, I mean, I think as you kind of go forward, whatever happens on Sunday, that's the group that you really feel like, okay, you can build this roster around that really talented secondary Um, And go from there, but yeah, I thought they had a they had a spectacular game.
1: Pete Werner played well. Uh, What can you say about Demario Davis? Right, the game they had. Zach Bond played well. You got to feel good about the linebackers when it comes to stopping the run. Also, Saints front. Talk about that, Jeff.
2: Yeah. So Nephi Sewell went down with a knee injury. Uh, It's an ACL. He's going to be up for an extended period of time, which is a bummer because he had been playing well and he had kind of earned himself a role. And so I am curious how that affects Zach Bond. He's been being used as a pass rusher, but now you're, the DeFi had kind of stepped into that Sam linebacker role. So now does that limit what you can do with Zach because he's got to kind of shift back into that Sam role? I don't know, but he's been kind of a revelation as a pass rusher over the past several weeks. Um, you, know, <laughs> you know, DeMario, one of the things I was happy about in that game was we finally got to see like a DeMario Davis angry run. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a uh, I think Tyron right after the game, he was asked what his kind of favorite moment was, and he said watching Demario run like Jerome Bettis because <laughs> uh, he was, yeah, he was, he was trucking. He's been waiting his whole life for that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, now you get to try to tackle me, um, and uh, that was that was fun. But yeah, I mean, the, one of the things that happened in that game that I think he overlooked is, you know, if you go back to Week Four, what made that game so difficult was not only that Baker Mayfield was extending plays and having a great game it was that they were constantly in 3rd and two, third and 4, 3rd and 5. You know, you didn't get them into 3rd and 10, 3rd and 12, 3rd and 15. And in this game, that's where the Bucks lived. And you were able to get a pass rush because you were able to stop the run on first and second down. And so that's the interior line. Brian Brzee had a great game. Nathan Shepard had a great game. Uh, DeMario had a great game. Pete, I think, has really come on the last few weeks. And so, you know, as you go into a game where you know they're going to be trying to run the ball run the ball, run the ball, and then run it again. Uh, you know, th- th- you got to be able to do that. And you weren't able to against the Rams. And that's, uh, like, I think in games that you've struggled this year, it's been games that you haven't had a ton of success on first and second down stopping the run. Um, and because when uh, this is a defense that I think thrives in that scenario and when you can't do it, when, you know, Kyron Williams is constantly falling forward for three, four, five-yard Danes, when you have chances to make tackles for loss and you don't do it, then your life becomes a lot more difficult. And so, yeah, I think you're, you're on the money there. I think Pete Warner, his ability to kind of step up and make tackles is, is really important.
1: And the same is true for the Saints offense on first and second down. You got to stay ahead of the chains. I know it's cliche, but it's true.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 100%. And, uh, you know, Alvin, I thought, ran the ball well in that first half. Jamal had a – he got – he was slow starting, but I thought he, he did a good job. And, and the guy I do want to give credit to, I think it's worth it, – it, it's important Before to there. note, is Adam Prentice. Yep. Absolutely. you know you're not going to spend a lot of time talking about a guy who had one carry for seven yards but go back to week four and, and remind yourself that he his last carry he fumbled on mm-hmm. on their own goal line and that really changed the game that was a big moment for him and it was third and seven he converts a first down on a halfback draw a play that would typically go to alvin kamara um and you know if, if you don't think that's a that's kind of an important moment for him a guy who doesn't get a ton of opportunities and Probably feels like he was the goat of that game in week four. It was. And so, yeah, the, their ability to run the ball late in the game I thought was really encouraging.
1: You feeling good about Sunday, Jeff?
2: I am. You know, but but keep in mind I said the same thing about uh, LA. So, yeah. you, know, you know, I, I kind of feel like. But, when but I'm the feeling Falcons good about, are
1: no Rams either.
2: No, right. and they're not playing well. They're not playing well. Uh, you know, they got beat up by the Bears last week. They lost to the Panthers a few weeks ago. This is a team that, after that week 12 game, was in control of the division and gave it right back. So, you know, I, I would like to see this Saints team, you know, whether they get, make the playoffs or not, I want to see this, this season end the right way. I want to see them go out hot the way they couldn't last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think they're in the right headspace. I think they're in the right mentality to do that. And so, But, again, you know, it feels like this is the kind of season where it feels like every time I feel like that's the case, it goes the other way. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully they prove me right.
1: Well, I'm going to say it. The worst thing in the world would be for – the Buccaneers, the Packers and the Seahawks to all lose yep. and the Saints lose. That would be the worst scenario ever.
2: I think it would be painful. Yeah. Especially because that would mean that the Falcons win the division at eight and nine. <laughs> and that's not what anybody wants to see either.
1: I'd like to alert the media that if that happens, I'll be back to work in February. I'll be taking some time <laughs> off. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, any well, final, any final thoughts?
2: No, no. I mean, I just, I, I hope people are excited. You know, I, I think, The offseason will be here when the offseason gets here. Whatever you think about their playoff chances or their chances to make it, just enjoy one week of football with a lot on the line because it doesn't happen every year.
1: And hope that you are on the sideline for a Saints home game and they host as the division champion, right?
2: That sure would be nice.
1: Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Jeff Nowak, WWL Saints sideline reporter. Good hire. We're lucky to have him. We'll take a break. We we come back, we'll talk to Alex Hammerstone, Director of Advisory Solutions for Trusted Sex. Why do I keep saying that? trusted SEC SEC about cyber kidnapping in this bizarre story out of Utah and a terrifying scam that's going on 940 20 till 10 traffic now WWL
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours